Welcome to episode 181 of the Throwdown Thursday pro- pod- podcast. Oh my god. Wow. We are off to an awesome start. And we are sober. Uh, uh, thank you for joining us on uh, episode 181 <clears throat> of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. Like I said, my name is Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And we are, of course, broadcasting from deep within Magenta Manor in the Pat Cave. And uh, as we are brought to you by uh, the Dorkening Network, and we are brought to you by uh, Deadly Grounds Coffee, which is amazing. And uh, check out their new Christmas flavors and uh, all their other flavors that are also amazing. I uh, I like the Witch's Brew and the uh, the Chocolate Cherry. Ashes, uh, what do you like? I'm all about the Witch's Brew. Yes. And the Pumpkin Spice is really good, too. Leo loves the Pumpkin Spice. And uh, as you can tell, I am joined by my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. She is the real housewife of Transylvania, the mistress of Merlot, the Michael Phelps of wine, the queen of the monsters, and an honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ashes Von Nightmare. Today's episode is brought to you by the letter A and the number three. That's true, because there are three things that happen. I don't know. I just I just I randomly know. pulled Ashes them out of the sky. Ashes Von Nightmare is three. three this is yes, yes. So, I know we said last week that we were going to be doing uh, Gizmo from Gremlins this week, but we lied. We didn't lie. We had anticipated and you know had every intention of covering Gremlins this week until the unfortunate passing of uh, Carol Spinney at age eighty-five, and you might know him as the puppeteer and voice. No, 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 not puppeteer, Muppeteer. Yes, I am sorry. The Muppeteer and voice behind two of the most classic and recognizable Muppets ever, uh, both Oscar the Grouch and his more iconic, uh, arguably, Big Bird. So as a result, we are going to push our, our Gremlins episode to next week, barring anything else catastrophic happening. But we will be uh, discussing Gremlins next week. And this week, we're going to be discussing the life and times of Carol Spinney and giving him the uh, memorial and, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, tribute that he deserves. I was going to say testimonial, and I knew that was not the right word I wanted to use. Right. And we're focusing this episode more on the character of Big Bird than anything else. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about Oscar only because, you know, that's... Another yeah. character that he portrayed. And but... that's, again, one of the biggest characters that uh, Sesame Street has ever produced. Uh, but yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that uh, after our first break. But first, we're, uh, we have a getting into character segment today, as always. And uh, Ashes, you came up with a good getting into character. So what's that I today? I always come up with a good getting into character question. So today we're asking... Who are your favorite Muppets? Well, for me, I uh, I have to cheat a little bit because they're not Muppets in a traditional sense. But uh, I'm going to go with uh, my one of my favorite Muppets, who's voiced by one of my favorite voice actors, who was in the recent Knives Out without me even realizing it was him because his voice sounds different when he's not doing Muppets. I'm talking about Frank Oz as Yoda, one of my favorite mm. Muppets of all time. He is. Cute and green I am. When 900 years you reach, look as good you will not. 
He's definitely one. I mean, I we can agree. I think we have uh, another Frank Oz voiced uh, Muppet that uh, we both would have high on our list, and I think most people would have high on their list. And that's, of course, Animal. Animal. For a while, I uh, would run around the house calling my mom woman. And that was like a week ago. It was a week ago, because sometimes when I call her, I still say it. She picks up the phone, and she's all like, hello. And I'm like, woman! She's like, oh, God, child, what do you want? Usually when she's had a lot of candy. Woman! Animal! Uh, who else? Uh, obviously, Big Bird and, and Oscar are, are two of my favorites, because Oscar, Oscar kind of spoke to me as a kid, because he was really grumpy and, you know didn't like a lot of things and he kind of speaks to me more as an adult now doesn't just wants to be left alone <laughs> doesn't want to deal with any people kind of sarcastic right just you know, very sarcastic just wants to sit and be by himself and wallow in his own filth and isn't that what we all want as adults like we don't want to clean anything we don't want to go anywhere or see anybody we just kind of want to stay in our own little you know our metaphorical trash can and just be away from everyone and not have to deal with stupid people asking you stupid questions and singing songs at you all day, which I just assume is a problem everyone has. Um, obviously, Kermit. Uh, I was a huge fan. Uh, if you haven't been able to tell over the past 180 episodes of My Sense of Humor, I'm a huge Fozzie the Bear fan. Waka waka. Um you know, a lot of, I mean, I don't know if they count, but like a lot of those different Star Wars creatures, I mean, I count them as Muppets. I mean, they were created by the Jim Henson Creature Factory, and, and so, yeah. you know, it's... It, Jabba the Hutt is a great Muppet. Kind of in the same vein as Muppets. I mean, what is a Muppet? Well, it's not quite a mop, and it's not quite a puppet, but man... <laughs> so, to answer your question, I don't know. <laughs> that was a, a terrible Simpsons... Uh, impression. So, Ashes, what about what about you? I've I've said some of mine. So what yeah, are some you of yours? you kind of touched based on a few of mine. Uh, I, I think if as I've mentioned before, and this is our first Muppet character that we're talking about, which is surprising that it has taken us 180 episodes to get to a Muppet, but here we are. And, and it takes the tragic passing of Carol yeah. Finn I was saying, and, it, and it's and it's fitting Muppet. that our first Muppet is Big Bird because ultimately, I think for some of us, that was the first Muppet that we were introduced to, aside from. Kermit the Frog, who is just iconic. Uh, one of my favorites has always been Miss Piggy. I love Miss Piggy. She's ostentatious. She's selfish. She's fashionable. She's fabulous. She's uh, voiced she's, by Frank Oz. She's voiced by Frank Oz. She's crazy. Um, but deep down inside, she has a heart of gold. And I just, I've always thought she was great. She's she's been and, and the dynamic between her and Kermit and the other Muppets. Um, yeah, yeah. So I've always been a fan. I've always liked Fozzie Bear. Go figure. I mm -hmm. married Patrick. Um, funny story. So when I was younger, we were living in Maryland at the time, and I guess some friends of my parents had come down to visit, and they decided to go to Washington D.C. for the day. So we we're all in the car. And we drove past the Smithsonian and like one of my, my parents' friends said something along the lines of like, oh, hey, the Smithsonian, like, isn't that where Fonzie's jacket is? You know, Fonzie from Happy Days. And then hey. like apparently three-year-old me like 
piped up in the back and went waka waka waka. That is kind of funny. Thought they said Fozzie. Well, he didn't wear a jacket, so that should have tipped you off. If they well, said, I was, I was like three. Come oh, on, now. is that isn't that where Fozzie's kerchief is? Um. Well, I, I I know you are also like our good friend uh, Justin Cooper, a huge fan of. I'm getting to that. Hold on. I'm a huge fan of the Fraggles. I fucking love the Fraggles. I want to dance my cares away down at Fraggle Rock all day, down every day. Rock. I have, have had a Fraggle Rock poster hanging. Well, it was hanging in my dorm room and then in the bedroom of my first apartment. And now, actually, I think it's hung in our bedroom ever it since. Is, yeah, it it's still hanging in our bedroom. Um, yeah, I just I just love the Fraggles. I've always loved the Fraggles. I love the dynamic between all of the Fraggles. Those are some great characters that we're going to have to talk about eventually. They actually what's great is all of the Muppets, so the like Muppet Show Muppets, the Sesame Street Gang and the Fraggles all appear in one of my favorite Muppet movies, and that is a Muppet Family Christmas. It is in uh you know, we're going to touch on that a little bit because there were some clips. Right. And, you know, the different uh, other films that Big Bird appeared in. Yes. Along um, prominently with Oscar the Grouch. But anyways, getting back to more Muppets, more Muppets. Uh, I've always loved Animal. He's crazy and just vivacious and just rambunctious and... Um, oh, God, there's so many. I really like the relationship between Bert and Ernie. I was just going to say, Bert Growing and Ernie up, taught I us always, a lot about relationships. You know, they were always down to compromise, and their friendship was definitely unwavering, and Bert kind of convinced Ernie to, you know, be a little more responsible and, you know, kind of take ownership of things. Whereas Ernie kind of brought the inner child out of Bert, you know, He's got Bert to loosen up. He did the and... pigeon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, will, I will say, though, one of my favorite all-time Sesame Street anythings, I used to have all the books, and one of them was, like, Bert had something, and Ernie was like, oh, well, and he's like, where is this? He goes, oh, well, I had to put you know, that in the egg carton. He's like, well, where'd you put the eggs? Well, I put the eggs in the fish bowl. It's like, well, where's the fish? Well, I had to put the fish in the, you know, oven. It's like, well, where'd you put the pans? And it's just like this whole long thing. It's like, you know, then I had to put the ice cubes in the ice cream box. Where'd you put the ice cream? I'll put the ice cream in the, in the cereal, you know, box. It's like, well, where'd you put the cereal? And it's just like cycles all the way around to like this last, the last thing is where he should have put the first thing. Like, oh, where'd you, like it was a fish or something. It's like, oh, well, I put the fit, you know, I had to clear out whatever to, you know, put, I put that in the fishbowl. It's like, well, why don't you just put the fish in the fishbowl to start off with? Because that's the type of relationship they had. And I think that really shows, uh, you know, I think that kind of sums up in a microcosm a lot of people's marriage. Yes. The the dynamic between Bert and Ernie, um, which is why so many people kind of like, you know, make them like in their minds like they've been together forever they're companions i think they're more than companions but see you don't think that when you're younger you no, just think that they're friends the it's as you get older and then you know as as people get older and and start to kind of 
put different pressures on these Muppets that aren't there, um, you know, that's that's when the issues start because kids don't think that way. They just think that they're friends who I don't think have it's an issue. This. I don't think it's an issue either, but some some grown ups don't like Bert that. Bernie definitely have what I would consider a, a, a you know, it, looking at a lot of people I know a, a very long term significant relationship. Right. You know, and that it's deeper than friendship because if it was just friendship, they wouldn't sleep in the same room. You know, and you know, Bert would have would have like screwed off long ago because. But like, it also brings to light there there are different types of companionship out there, right? And that's what I think they are. I've always viewed them like they're friends, they're companions. Kermit and Scooter, you know, Big Bird and Snuffy, like they're friends, right? Like, but But, they're not as close as right as as Bert and Ernie. And like speaking of which, you know, you mentioned Snuffleupagus. I've always loved Snuffleupagus. Snuffy was a great and, Muppet. You know, speaking of Big Bird, like that was Big Bird's best friend, and for the longest time, nobody else on Sesame Street had seen Snuffleupagus, so they thought it was Big Bird's imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. And that was a whole kind of cool thing because it taught kids to like tell the truth, even if grown-ups don't believe you. Like tell the truth. Because, you know, all of the grown-ups on Sesame Street were like, oh, no, Big Bird, like, Snuffleupagus is real. Like, we haven't seen him. And obviously, we, the audience at home, know, knew Snuffleupagus was real. Right. And, you know, Big Bird knew Snuffleupagus was real. I think Barkley may have knew Snuffleupagus Barkley, was real. Barkley is another one that I really liked I was going to bring up. I, I just liked the way he looked, and I liked his name. Um, and I liked how he was different than Rolf. Like it's Ralph kind of like, was more of like a human like oh, I say human but anthropomorphic. Yes, dog. Well, it's, it's, it's like the difference between like Goofy and Pluto. I was just gonna say it's Goofy and Pluto. Like, right, it's the same type. But of like Ralph, you you group into the rest of the Muppets, whereas Barkley, you kind of. I mean, he's a Muppet, but you kind of view him as as more of like well, a, they treat a dog. Him as, he's not anthropomorphic. Character. Well, and he, he also doesn't talk either. Right. Like he, he barks. Talk, and, he doesn't do anything. You know, but then. You know, Ralph plays the piano, so that's, I mean, that kind of distinguishes him from, from, uh, Ralph is another one. I've always, he's just, he's just kind of cool. Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem, like oh, that my whole group. God. Floyd I'm... doesn't talk, but he's still, you know. Oh, how are we forgetting Gonzo? I was just going to say Gonzo, <laughs> the great Gonzo, and Camilla the Chicken. Um, we already, we, and we skipped another two. Grover slash Super Grover. I was just going to say that, too. Like, Grover's okay, but when he turns into Super Grover... I used to have those sheets. He becomes, like, this complete badass. Like, nothing can stand in as his way. Badass as well, as badass as Grover can be, right? Um, you know, he just becomes super confident. Another and... Frank Oz voice. Oh, is he? Frank yep. Oz? Oh, wow. And, I didn't know uh, that. Another, yet one more Frank Oz, because he's done so many, and... I can't believe you have the the bathrobe. I was gonna say Cookie Monster. There you go. Cookie Monster is one of my all time favorites. I love Cookie Monster. I just I too love cookies. So who doesn't love cookies? The Cookie Monster. Um, and there was also uh, some of the kind of like so you have like the secondary monsters and then you have like the tertiary monsters. I think he was kind of like a tertiary monster, but Harry Monster. Harry. The blue guy, yeah, because you had like Telly and Telly was was uh, the, the purple was one. 
reddish like reddish purple yeah. kind of like a yeah like a maroon almost yeah um but hairy monster was blue and i used to have a book called i am a monster and it was all about hairy monster and the monster family and all i can remember from this book is that they were eating dinner in the their their dining room and they had this like cross stitching up on their their wall framed that said family dinners are really great we eat the food and then the plate yeah and like my goal in life is to learn how to cross stitch so i can remake that and hang that in my future dining room I should say our our future yeah. dining room. <laughs> I would I would also like to give an honorable mention, and I know it's it's not one that you like, and not and most people don't like this, but the weird yip 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 guys. I love those guys. I just I don't know why. The Menomina guys. I forget what the the snout snout. S N O W T H. That's what they're called. Yeah, we have the Funko somewhere. No, we don't. Yeah, we do. We do. We have those. We have them somewhere. I know we have. And Oscar the Grouch. I've always loved. Well, you said Oscar. I haven't said Oscar. Um, we have that Funko too. I've always loved Oscar the Grouch. He's has some really great lines, especially in the film Follow That Bird. Like scram. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Beat it. Um yeah. It would have been but... great if he said that to Michael Jackson the time Michael Jackson was on. That that would have been funny. But yeah, that's he's like, uh... Hey Michael, beat it. He's like, Hey, I have an idea for a song. Actually I think when the clip that we saw when Michael was on there. That was like Jackson was 5. Pre, yeah, I think that was pre-thriller. Uh, that was like, I'm singing about the ABCs. Like late late 70s, very early I 80s. got an afro. But that's our list. So what are some Muppets that you love? I feel like I'm forgetting some. Oh, I'm sure we are. I know I'm forgetting some. Yeah, Scooter, Skeeter. Um, Lou Zealand. Blue Zealand, yeah. Um, uh, Sweetums. Oh my god, I was just going to say Sweetums! I love Sweetums! Sam the Eagle. I love Sweetums so much. Sweetums is great. He's so big and just, oh, he's Swedish chef. Like, you know, the rats, the chickens, the weird shrimp looking motherfucker. And that's what I loved about. The world of Jim Henson, you know, the Muppets, Sesame Street, Fraggles, pretty much everything that the Creature Workshop did. They had this whole world of just Muppetized creatures. That Elmo. Were, Elmo. Um, I never really loved Elmo. No, but I'm just saying way... like, that's not one that we mentioned. No. But he the was... Count. Oh, the Count. The Count was a great. Oh, Forgetful Jones. Do you remember Forgetful Jones? He was no. like the cowboy guy. He had the big mustache, and he would come in, and he would. Uh, there was one thing where he was. Uh, they were trying to do a production of Oklahoma, but they kept doing all the wrong vowels. So, like, they'd come in. They're like, Oklahoma," <laughs> and they kept getting it wrong. No, I don't remember that. And there was another one where he was at a saloon. They had the Batwing doors, and he comes in, and they're like, "Oh, when that guy comes." You're like, oh, this this you know bad Bart or whatever the hell his name was. I don't remember what the the evil character was like. Oh, he's gonna be here at noon and he's gonna give you what you deserve. And like everyone was all scared and nervous. And he he shows up. 
He goes, yeah, I'm here to give you what you deserve. And he's like, oh, last week I was here and, uh, y- you know, you undercharged me, so I owe you an extra dollar thirty-five or whatever. And he goes, here, that's what you deserve. Here's your, here's your change or whatever the hell it was. Prairie Dawn, we didn't talk about Prairie oh, Dawn. Oh, yeah, the little pink girl. She hung out with Grover a lot. Um, the Amazing Mumford, a la peanut butter sandwiches. Yes! Oh, my God. I completely forgot all about that. Yeah. Um, that's because we were talking about Forgetful Jones and started remembering stuff. There was a another Forgetful Jones things where they were they were trying to... Uh, they were singing a song, and he couldn't remember the name of the song. And he kept saying, what's the name of the song? And the name of the song was, what's the name of this song? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else like just leaping. I mean, then you have not quite Muppets, but like close, you know, like Eureka's Castle was close. They were like the GoBots to the Muppets Transformers. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, I, I loved Eureka's Castle. I but had all of the... Pizza Hut puppets from Eureka's Castle. I don't think I've gone to Pizza Hut that many times in my life. <laughs> well, like, I think, when, where was I living at the time? I think I was living on Guam, and so there, like there wasn't three much. Three years later? There wasn't much. Um, but yeah, I remember having all, there was Eureka and Magellan and Batley I think there was a fourth one too, but I forget for the puppets. But I know I definitely had those three. Zarnon the Destroyer. Uh, that was a different show. But but yeah, yeah that if, was if, yeah. If we if we keep doing this, we're gonna we're just, just gonna like, have like the, the entire episode is just gonna be us remembering, remembering Muppets. Muppets. <laughs> so, but we definitely want to hear from you. Let us know who your favorite Muppets are. Are they ones that we mentioned? Are they ones that we have forgotten about? Jog our memories. Let us know. Yeah, tell us uh, what you think. Uh, they can be from any Muppet uh, related thing. You know, maybe there's some folks that we forgot. Obviously, you know that. You know. Uh, what the hell was her name? The the girl Donna. Huh? The 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 the, the, the from Electric Mayhem. Janice. Janice. What? Wow. Oh my god! You know Donna. <laughs> you know Mitch. <laughs> but yeah, uh, shoot us an email. Throw down Thursday podcast at gmail dot com. You know, let us know. We'll read them on air. If you want to record a voice message and send it into us, let us know. Um, we would have done that to, you know. Had things progressed differently, you know, we didn't have a lot of time to come up with this episode. But, uh, yeah, let us know. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to be discussing Carol Spinney and his work, uh, mainly as Big Bird and a little bit as Oscar. And, you know, some of the stuff he did and some amazing uh, opportunities that he had in life. So we will uh, be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, Get online and order yours at GetDeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. 
Hello again, everyone. It's Mr. Most Days Off from the Best Darn Diddly Review Show, here with a special message for you from Richie the Whiz Kid. You know, a town without Best Darn Diddly is a little like the mule with the spinning wheel. No one knows how he got it, and danged if he knows how to use it. The name's Whiz Kid, Richie the Whiz Kid, and I come before you good fans of Springfield with probably the greatest podcast. Uh, it's not for you. It's more of a Shelbyville podcast. Now, you wait here just a minute. We're twice as smart as the people of Shelbyville. You tell us where to listen to Best Darn Diddly and we'll listen. I'll tell you exactly where you can listen to it. You can catch the Best Darn Diddly Review Show each and every Monday on bestdarndiddly.com. So hop on the monorail and join us on this journey through the Simpsons series. I know that was a little uh, somber, but that was the uh, Joshua Raiden version of the Sesame Street theme, mainly because, you know, this is going to be, you know, it's a tribute, it's a memorial, so it's it's going to be as upbeat as we can make it, um, even though that's, you know, kind of sad source material, you know, or the reason that we're doing this is sad. It's not that, you know, we're upset. So... Well, I mean, we are, it's sad. Well, we're not trying to upset anyone else, (laughs) is what I mean. No, but we're talking about Big Bird, and Big Bird's a great character. Big Bird is big and yellow. And a bird. And a bird. (laughs) Who would have thought? It's not just a clever name. (laughs) Um, I I just, I want to start this off by talking about Rhode Island Comic Con a couple years ago. Okay, go ahead. Um, <clears throat> like before we get into like, you know, the nuts and bolts of, of Carol Spinney and Big Bird and everything. So I was at Rhode Island Comic Con. Uh, unfortunately, you weren't able to join me at the time. And Carol Spinney was there and you know, I didn't have money for an autograph or anything. But, you know, going up to someone and, and shaking their hand and, and having a conversation is generally free. Not always, but generally free. So I went up to him and I, I shook his hand and I was chatting with him uh, a little bit. And as he shook my hand, he he saw my Calvin and Hobbes tattoo, and he kind of pointed to it. Because at this point, he wasn't doing great. Like, he wasn't talking. So maybe he was sick or, you know, just was feeling under the weather. And this delightful young lady next to him was just, she was so vivacious and so uh, ebullient, just very... Uh, like, oh yeah, he loves Calvin and Hobbes, and you know he's he's friends with Bill Watterson, and like we've got some we got some uh, you know original drawings at home, and so we chatted about that for a little bit. We we talked a little bit about you know follow that bird, and we watched the documentary I Am Big Bird, and I was like, oh my god, that's the lady that was sitting with him, and I didn't realize it at the time, but that was his wife, and I was like, oh, that's so cool, but. This is one of those situations where, you know, like you with Tim Curry, like I'm really glad that I got to meet someone who had such a profound impact on my childhood. And even, you know, 
I was still watching Sesame Street, you know, because I, I Dave's my youngest brother and he's eight years behind me. But I would still watch Sesame Street even when he was like four or five, you know, and I'm. 12 13 14 years old and it's like oh i'm I'm just it's on i guess i have to watch it but like it still had that appeal because the characters were so genuine and so real and you get a little bit like i know it's you know aimed at kids and like there's a lot of you know like disney stuff that's aimed at kids but there were jokes for the parents and stuff as well this Sesame Street wasn't like that and big word was never really that type of character they did tackle some heavier stuff but even as a, a a young teenager, I could still enjoy this on a non-ironic level. Sesame Street had the type of humor that was so clean and so genuine that even as an adult, you can enjoy it because there's no underlying message. It's it's you know you get what you see is what you get. Right. But you know, I used to watch Sesame Street when I was in high school. My sister is seven years younger than I am. And uh, I, I didn't, that wasn't my excuse for watching it. I just still watched it. For me, it was my, I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll, I'll have to watch it because he wants to watch it. Well, so the characters shift a little bit. So when Sesame Street first came out, Big Bird was kind of the the head of the show, the rising star, the when you when you think of Sesame Street, you immediately thought of Big Bird. And for some of us, that's still true, because that's the Sesame Street that we grew up with. But over time, the characters, the, the, the focus shifted. Uh, and it was just the new audiences. And, and there's a reason why Sesame Street ha- is still on. It's had the longevity that it, it's had. Uh, the show evolves and, and grows with its audiences. And they realized that more people were gravitating towards Elmo. So they decided to kind of make Elmo the focal point. And yeah, ultimately, Elmo got his own spinoff. I think it was called Elmo's World. Um, you know, spinoff show. And so Elmo was a really popular character and popular amongst like everybody like i had friends who had tickle me elmos oh no i was he was not popular with me (laughs) um so you know it's it's i watched it in high school but it was still it was still relevant like it wasn't you know like oh my god you're watching sesame street it's like oh my god i love elmo i wasn't the one running around saying oh my god i love elmo but you know there were girls in my class they were like, oh, my God. Yeah, see, that wasn't... Do you want to touch my Tickle Me Elmo? That wasn't me. I do like the way Elmo looks if you take, like, all the fur and stuffing off of him. And, like, the Tickle Me Elmo, it's like... It's like if you if you skin a Furby, it's, like, the same type of thing. It's just, like, eyes and teeth, and, like, it shakes. That tickles! <laughs> I can see your soul! <laughs> no, Big Bird is one of those characters that, you know... <laughs> He's just synonymous with the show. Like, you think Sesame Street, you think Big Bird. Like, I know some people might have different experiences based on their age, but Big Bird was, like, one of the first characters introduced on the show, which was 50 years ago. I mean, like, Carol Spinney played this character for nearly 50 years. You know, even as he's in his, you know, he's passing through his 70s and 80s. And this was not an easy, uh, an easy puppet to to control so basically what he would do is he would put on like a nice pair of pants that they had turned into the bird legs 
and they belted at the waist. And then he would have a harness on him because it had a camera so he could kind of see what was on the monitors. So you could see what, what basically he was watching what people at home would be watching. So he had to alter his movements. If he moved left, Big Bird would move right on the on the monitor. So you have to make sure that, you know, whatever you're supposed to be doing, because he can't see through the thing. And that was one of the questions I had while we were watching the documentary. It's like, how does he even see? Because he's not eight plus feet tall and he's not on stilts. So he would operate it with his left arm in the left uh, left wing of Big Bird. And he'd have the monitor strapped to his chest, you know, watching the monitor, and he'd have his lines taped to the inside of the Muppet so he could kind of see his lines and, you know, read his lines as he's looking at this and as he's doing his acting and his moving and his puppeteering. And with his right hand held over his head, controlled the mouth and eyes. So there was like a, a, a little string attached to his finger, and he would use that to manipulate the eyes. And obviously he would move his hands, you know, like a, a normal like puppet motion, you know, mm-hmm. and that's how he controlled the mouth. But he also did the voice. So it was like it's all this stuff. This is one of the more complex things that I've ever seen, you know, because I've seen a lot of the behind the scenes Star Wars stuff. And usually you have like multiple people like even Ernie. Or Cookie Monster was a two-person Right, there are some Muppets who have, you know, utilized two people to mobilize. So the fact that you have this eight-foot-two Muppet being Muppeteered by one person is just crazy. And not only that, Big Bird was very active. Big Bird roller skated, he ice skated, he danced, he swam, he sang, he wrote poetry, he drew, drew, and he even rode a unicycle. Yeah, I remember seeing that in the in the uh, the documentary. But, no, 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 I just want to. Big Bird rode a unicycle, so you have Carol Spinney in this Muppet, one hand in the Muppet, one hand up the Muppet's throat, you know, controlling the Muppet's mouth with his hand, controlling the Muppet's eye, you know, uh, eyebrows with with his pinky, Mm -hmm. cannot see where he is going, reading lines that he has taped to the inside of the costume, watching himself on this monitor. Which is like two by two inches. On a fucking unicycle. Or ice skates. Or roller skates. Like, the unicycle is the most like, impressive. This is, now, it's not that he would do this unrehearsed, because we saw in several scenes from the, the documentary that he would go through and he would actually rehearse with his, you know, his hand down and his other hand above his head. You know, making the movement. You know, making the movement. Like he's talking. So it's almost like he's trying to create this memory, you know, like, okay, this it's is what I'm going memory, to, yeah. right, this is what I'm going to be doing. So that when he was in full costume, he would know, even though he wasn't able to see, he would know where he was supposed to be and and do what he was supposed to and do. And remember, there were all the cables and stuff running along the floor. Other Muppets, other people, other, you know, Muppeteers on the floor and he controlling had those these giant Muppets. ass bird feet. Right. Like, that was the well, other thing. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, not only that, he had those giant feet attached to his feet, using that to skate with. And they showed him, you know, uh, just just in the... 
the pants. The pants with the feet roller skating around, like getting a feel for things and stuff. But it's like he was able to do all of that and maintain his balance on a freaking unicycle and stay in character. Like, and unless, have fun. He was having a freaking blast. Well, there was a reason he did it almost 50 years. Like, like that's crazy. And that's and, and that's one of the it's things It's impressive. It's amazing. People think that like, "Oh, you were a puppeteer. Pfft, how hard could that be?" They literally when we watch this and I highly recommend you watch this documentary. It's on Amazon. It's called I Am Big Bird: uh, The Story of Carol Spinney or The Life of Carol Spinney. I I am drawing a blank on that right now. But he did all this stuff, and they had people, several of them, whose job was Muppet Wrangler. So, like, if something was hanging out or something, you know, was, you know, wrong or he was about to take a a false step, because, again, he's looking at the monitor but has to do the opposite of everything he wants to do. If he wants to, you know, move right and he's supposed to move right on the screen, he has to go left. So it, like, really screws everything up because... Now you're adding in the element of doing everything backward. You want to raise your right arm? Well, you have to raise your left arm. Actually, no, because you couldn't. the way, yeah, his right arm was attached with fishing wire. There was like a little hook underneath Big Bird's uh, lower beak, and then the fishing line went up from his right arm through the, the little uh, hook on the beak to the left arm. So if he raised his left arm, the right arm would go down, and like because it was like a pulley system. So whatever he did with his left arm, the right arm would do the opposite. It's crazy when you're watching the Muppets, these shows, Sesame Street, as a child, because, you know, you know that these are puppets. You know that they're not real, but not knowing how they're being puppeteered, not knowing how they're being muppeteered, not knowing, you know, it's almost magical. There's this magical aspect to it that you just can't quite put it together. And that's what makes it so alluring as a child. Uh, What makes it so crazy and awesome as an adult is now having the opportunity to see the people behind these characters and exactly what they do in order to make these characters go, make these characters work. And the science and physics that are put into you know, making some of these costumes and some of these Muppets come to life, like Big Bird. There's a lot of, uh, like Patrick said, a system of, of, of pulleys and, you know, levers and different things that make Big Bird the the entity that Big Bird is. And you also have to understand, like, depending on where you were, they did a lot of live shows. So it's hot or it's cold or you're sweating and, and not only that, like, you don't have the opportunity, you know, live is not rehearsed. And Well, it's rehearsed and then you, like, you can't right. stop if you make a mistake. Right. But what I'm saying, though, is if somebody misses their mark, you have to go with it. So well, that's for why some they other, the Muppet Wranglers. Right. But I was saying, you know, like, so for some of the other Muppets, it's not a big deal. You can easily, you know, kind of go with the flow of things and, uh, you know, make adjustments as needed, but in a costume like Big Bird, yeah, the big full body, you really can't. Well, and it's it's crazy too to think, you know, he's controlling this head. Now he's also got to hold the head up, and the head weighs what they say about five pounds, which you think, oh, that's not that much. Hold your hand above your head as high as you can, and hold a five pound weight. 
and see and how long then, you do that. And then not only that. And also and be also, 80 years old. And also move your hand back and forth. And while you're moving hand back and forth in like a talking motion, move your pinky uh, you know, separately as well. Like it's crazy. I'm getting carpal tunnel just trying. Well, he talked about the uh, the tendon that goes right down the middle uh, of your palm, all the way down. Yeah, and how he would uh, it would lose... get hot. Yes, like that's what he said. Like it would heat up. He could feel it getting hot, and like <clears throat> and and he would lose sensation sometimes. Yeah. yeah, and the um the guy who Matt Vogel yes uh was what's the word i'm looking for not covering for the him, understudy essentially the, yeah the understudy i believe he's actually the one who took over the position yes. when carol spinney uh left carol but, did whatever he wanted and if he didn't want to do something matt vogel would step in and do it right but matt vogel said that even in in his training you know there were times when he as soon as he he took the suit off he would have to lay on the floor and have somebody work on him you know uh, just kind of like massaging out those muscles and stuff because they would just get so tense from holding it in in, in such a way for so long and what's crazy to me is the idea that we have the technologies in place where we could eliminate that. You know, you don't need somebody inside of Big Bird controlling Big you Bird. Motion capture it or green you know, screen or, it. Or you can roboticize it completely. Like, you don't need to have these Muppeteers. You don't need to have these people inside of these costumes doing these things. However, the fact that they still do that, they adhere to this craft of puppeteering just I, I think speaks a lot to the product that they're trying to put forth and and it does wonders for the characters because I think if you were to have something robotic even just you know you could have somebody actually voicing it but have you know a, a robotics doing the motions it's not going to create the same atmosphere. It's not going to create the same feeling that, you know, having somebody physically in the suit does. Well, it's like put it this way. Um, one of the things that we find out in the in the documentary is the first TV show that got to go to China after Nixon opened up relations with China in the 70s was Sesame Street. And Big Bird was walking down the street and people, because of, you know, whatever reason... You know, his wife was talking about, they were like, they thought he was an actual bird because of how well the costume looked and how well Carol Spinney manipulated it while he was inside it. Like, they were like, is that a real bird or not? Obviously, when he started talking and dancing and roller skating, they kind of figured it out. But they're like, oh, my God, that is a massive bird. But I think that speaks volumes to the art form that is puppeteering. You know, not only in the creation of these costumes and whatnot, but the people who actually put the actions and voices to the characters. Yeah, it's there's there's a lot to be said for the just not just the writing and the scripting, but the fact that you've got to be able to bring this. And like we, we mentioned in our opening segment, how many times did we mention Frank Oz's name and how many times have has he had characters that interact with each other. And fun fact, Frank Oz was actually offered the part of Big Bird, but he didn't want to do it because he hated performing full-body characters. So he turned down the job. Yeah, and he ended up doing um, you know, a lot of the, you know, like the the characters we mentioned, which again, were two person because you would have 
you know, you'd control one arm and you would control um, the mouth, or you'd control the mouth and the uh, the eyes, or, or however expressive you know certain characters were, um, you know, like Cookie Monster or, or um, Snuffy or um, Big Bird had you know the the eyelids that moved up and down, or Bert with his eye eyebrows, you know. Um, so you would have to control that while doing your voice acting, and so you would have someone next to you. And you could always see it, even as a kid, you know, you could see it, somebody holding the uh, the stick that controlled the right arm. And it was always the right arm. It was never the left arm, because you'd use your left arm to control the left arm of the puppet and the your right hand to control the mouth and eyes. But this character, you know, originally when he came out he, in, in 1969, his voice was much different. He was kind of more of like, a, oh, look at me, I'm Big Bird, you know, but... Carol Spinney got the idea to kind of play him as a child because I and I remember him saying like oh I'm 8 feet tall and I'm 6 years old you know he used to say that all the time and I think that's really what helped Big Bird kind of uh endear himself to to you know the audience that they were aiming for he had this innocence and childlike curiosities that uh, you know, was really relatable as a child. You know, he wanted to learn things and he made mistakes and he fumbled around and, you know, he wasn't perfect and he, you know, confused things like the ABC song. Or, you know, when you talk about his innocence, you know, one of the more emotional parts of the show was when the actor who played Mr. Hooper died and so they talked about it on the show and much the same way that mr rogers did last week he kind of they tried to approach it from a child's point of view like you know he had drawn pictures of everyone and he was passing them out he gave one to Luis, one to maria he gave one to gordon and you know and he's like oh i have this one for mr hooper and you know you know i'll, I'll give i'll give you know where is he and uh maria was like well he passed away he died and he's like, all right, well, I'll just give it to him when he comes back. You know, and because that is what a kid mm-hmm. would say. And so they had to kind of, and, you know, the guy who played Bob was was there. And you could see the real emotion that all of these actors had. But it was it was real. Like, they weren't acting at this point. Like, they were upset and they were sad. I mean, they were pros, don't get me wrong. Every single one of them was a professional. Like the way they handled themselves and carried themselves. And we're going to talk about how good Carol Spinney was a little later. But they they were going after some of the things that were affected on the show. Like Big Bird kind of was a proxy for the audience that they were that they were targeting. Like okay, they, we want six, seven, eight year old kids. How is a six, seven, or eight-year-old kid going to react to Mr. Hooper's not there anymore? Where did he go? What do you mean, dead? What does that mean? Right. And instead of just completely ignoring it and and just going about their day or recasting the character of Mr. Hooper, and I don't believe they recast anybody in this show. No, they, they have um, you know, they decided to in in a Mister Rogers like way. Human characters, right? Um, you know, in a Mister Rogers like way, address it head on because you know that's something that they felt they owed their audience, and 
that is why this show, along with Mr. Rogers and a lot of the other shows on PBS were so great. And I think they still are, um, you know, for the most part, because they didn't try to desensitize certain things. They didn't try to keep children away, which some parents try to do. You know, and sometimes the best thing for your child is to just sit them down and tell them the truth. Right. You know, you may have to explain things in a in a different way just because, you know, depending on the child, they may not understand the terminology or or whatnot that you're using. But, you know, I, I feel like every child deserves the, everybody deserves the truth. Right. So there's something that I, I watched in this documentary that I, I, I want to touch on because it's one of those like really close call type of things and i had no idea about this and neither did you and like when the realization hit me i was absolutely floored so there was this is how popular big bird was as a character so in the early 80s early to mid 80s uh 1986 ish um nasa came to carol spinney and said you know, people are losing interest in NASA. They're losing interest in, you know, space and space exploration. How would you like to orbit the Earth, you know, in full costume? And so he talked to his wife and his wife was like, I mean, this is intense. Like, obviously, there's a million things that could go wrong. But what who else is going to get an opportunity like this? Think about how amazing this could be and what it could mean for all these kids. Cause that's really why he did this. Like he loved children. So he says, okay, I'll do it. And you know, then a little while later, NASA got back to him and said, unfortunately the logistics of doing this in full costume, we just, we can't do it. The, 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 the craft is just not large enough. We're not going to be able to do it. Like, we're sorry, you know, but we have to we have to go another route. So because Carol Spinney was unable to do this as Big Bird, they had to find another way to reach out to kids and let them see that, you know, NASA astronauts are real people. So they asked a school teacher from New Hampshire, Krista McAuliffe, to take his place. And of course, the flight that he would have been on was the Challenger, which. I mean, it was a it was definitely a tragedy, but think of how much worse it could have been. Like they have a camera inside there as the the shuttle's lifting off, and you see all this, and you see Big Bird, and then you see what happened to that. Like there's an explosion because I watched this in school. You know, this was uh, I think January 1986. I watched this in school. I was five, and if I'm five years old and I'm watching. Big Bird explode in a space shuttle. I think that would have traumatized an entire generation and like really messed us up more than we already are at this point. True story. So as much as, you know, I kind of wish he could have gotten that opportunity. I'm glad he, they, they were like, Hey, we're not going to be able to do this because we got another uh, 30 plus years of Carol Spinney as Big Bird. And, Speaking of having more years as Big Bird, Big Bird is is just synonymous with 
Sesame Street, but he's also done his own thing. He's been a, in many, many, many different films. Like, like the ice stuff. <laughs> yeah, like the ice capades. Um, he had his own film in 1985 called Follow That Bird, which, which was one of my favorite films for like the longest time. It was Mary Poppins and then Follow That Bird. Um, and then that's where Oscar the Grouch has probably one of the best Oscar the Grouch lines ever. Where's my Jello? <laughs> <laughs> the toss salad, and they put it in a goddamn catapult and launched it across the restaurant. Oh. Uh, and have a rotten time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was so good. And I want to say, again, we, we talk about, you know, Big Bird's his songs and you know, how emotional they are. When he's singing the song in the cage. Oh, yes. Oh, my! I thought you were, like, waving me off. No, I thought you were going to mention something else. No, no, we'll no. mention that later. When he's singing that song. No, yeah, we're talking about that towards the end because you're going to get to hear but it. But, yes, the song in the cage. The song in the cage. Oh, my God, about being blue. And he's, yes. like, literally, like, bathed in blue light and tinted blue. And he cry. Oh, my God. Even now. Like, I don't think I could watch that now. <laughs> like, I remember as a kid just, like, being devastated. Like, oh, my God. Like, again, like, there was a lot of comedy in it because it was the Muppets and it was, like, the real people. Um, I forget who else was in it. Obviously, Henson was in it as Kermit. Uh, let's see. who. Was- yeah, there were a few other Muppets, I recall. Jerry Nelson as the Count. Sandra Bernhard, which I don't remember. Oh, she was the waitress. And John Candy is a state trooper. Chevy Chase, uh, they showed the clip and is like, oh, he's from the same street. Because that's just how Chevy Chase would, would do it. You know, Waylon Jennings, Lorraine Newman. It was like the Sesame Street version of the Muppet movie, ultimately. Yeah. You know, you have all of these great stars from the time. You know, so, uh, fantastic humor. You learn something. It's great for kids. Still fun to watch as as an adult. Like but, I own it on. Oh yeah, we actually have we have it on VHS too. We do, but it was. Uh, I was trying to come up with who the human cast members that were in that. Uh, there was Linda, Louise, Susan, Maria, Bob, Gordon, Olivia. Like everybody, like all the like main people. You know, that were still there. Because I remember Olivia and Gordon ended up having a kid and his name was Miles. And, like, that's how they talked about, like, having a family and, like, raising a kid and stuff like that, which I thought was really cool. And they introduced Miles as a as a character. I mean, not in 1985, but, but yeah, like, all those human characters who were on the hunt to show everyone how much, you know, Big Bird, how much Big Bird was loved. So I just thought, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor and watch it. It's so emotional. But he's been involved in a bunch of other uh, pop culture media, including in the 70s, he was on Hollywood Squares, along with Mr. Hooper. Oscar the Grouch is on Hollywood Squares, too. Yeah, and uh, Big Bird frequently mispronounced words. Just, you know, to, and, and he stayed in character the entire time. Because he was time. six. He was a kid. Right, but that's the thing. That's one of the things I loved about it. Uh, he stayed in character the entire time. He never broke character. I uh, remember one, they were kind of getting a little a little dirty, a little blue. And he, Big Bird would just be like, I don't know what that word means. You know, and it was just, it was so funny. As Oscar, he, he even yeah. he said, he was like, he's like, you know, I'm on a kid's show, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
And Big Bird was also on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And actually, how that came about was Mr. Rogers kind of wanted to do a behind the scenes with Carol Spinney and Big Bird and the inner workings of Big Bird and how everything, you know, the the Muppeteering and how everything behind the scenes works at uh, Sesame Street. But they decided like Carol Spinney didn't want to do that because kind of like how Mr. Rogers, you know, did things. Um, Carol Spinney didn't want sesame street to lose the magic that it had right you know because like they said when he was in the bird he was the bird right and mr rogers said you know what you are absolutely correct so they they did an episode with big bird instead yeah uh, you know in, instead of trying to like peel back the curtain a little bit which i you know the mutual, i appreciate right the mutual respect and understanding that the two shows had towards each other was awesome um, obviously, Big Bird appears in some of the Muppet movies, including my favorite, which is a Muppet Family Christmas, in which the Swedish chef mistakes Big Bird for the turkey that he's waiting for and tries to kill Big Bird, tries, chases him around the kitchen. Like, he's about to go to Christmas turkey. And Big Bird's like, I'm not the turkey. And the, you see him in uh, the first Muppet movie. He's hitchhiking and... Uh, Kermit and Fozzie stop to uh, see if he needs a ride. And, um, you know, you see him that. Now, I want to touch base on, and I I think you might be going the same way as me, how he single-handedly doomed a presidential election. Well, yeah, if you want to go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, well, I have a couple more. Well, you have the notes there, so I don't have any. I'm going by I have a couple more fun things before then. Uh, so he appeared in the final episode of the Colbert Report, along with the Cookie Monster and a bunch of other Muppets uh, and celebrities singing We'll Meet Again. Nice. Which was really cute and sweet. Uh, he worked alongside Michelle Obama and participated in her Let's Move campaign and did a whole thing. That that was when she was trying to get kids to be more active, go outside. And he was in his mid-70s at this point. And stuff. And, you know, she asked these well-known children's stars, children's actors and whatnot, to participate. And obviously, you know, Sesame Street and Big Bird. Big Bird, Frankie Muniz. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Ron Howard. <laughs> All the big child stars. Mickey Rooney. But then what you were saying, you can go ahead. So... I think it was uh, in what 2011, or was it 2015? It was the oh, it was the it was the yeah 2011 ramping up for it was the Obama versus Romney election, and Romney said, um, "Sorry, but I'm going to have to cut funding." He goes, "I love Big Bird, but I'm going to have to cut funding to public television." And that doomed him because there were people on social media, and it obviously wasn't as prevalent as it is now, but people on social media were destroying him. There were tens of thousands of tweets per minute. Well, not only that, they were creating this content, these videos of Mitt Romney blowing up Big Bird. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, you know, obviously, uh, Romney wasn't putting this out. This was people who were outraged by what he was doing. So as kind of a rebuttal to all of this, 
they had Big Bird go on Saturday Night Live and do the weekend update with, with Seth, Seth Myers. Myers, uh, to kind of give his story. <laughs> and you know, people thought, oh, it's just you know a random suit. But then he started talking, and you could hear the crowd go nuts because there were a ton. There were a ton of news outlets that were reaching out to both you know Sesame Street. And, you know, they wanted to either talk to Carol Spinney or to Big Bird. So, obviously, he's got to show up as Big Bird. And he showed up on Saturday Night Live as Big Bird. He came in and, you know, he did his whole thing. And when people realized it was him, like, they oh, played the, the clip. in the crazy. Yeah, they played the clip in the documentary. And it was like, they had him and everyone's like, yeah, all right, you know, hooray, this is kind of funny. And then he spoke and everyone lost their minds because they were like, oh, my God. I think even the uh, Seth Meyers and some of the SNL cast at that time were were shocked that they even got Carol Spinney, Big Bird, to do this. And these are people who deal with huge megastars all the time. And, like, some of them have turned into huge megastars, but, like, that's what they dealt with. Like, they were used to, you know, the biggest musical acts, the biggest actors, the biggest actresses, you know, the directors, you know, big celebrities coming on their show all the time. And... Seth Meyers seemed a little like taken back, like like oh my god, I'm sitting next to Big Bird, like this is so cool. And I'll be honest with you, like that's how I was when I met Carol Spinney. I was like, he was right next to Lou Ferrigno and George Went. Like that's a mouthful. That's where he was, and I was just like, I got to meet this guy, and it was like so cool. And I think that's how even someone who is a celebrity and is on TV and now has their own late night show. They acted the same way or reacted the same way, I should say, because, you know, Seth Myers is, you know, he's a little older than I am, but Sesame Street's been around like that was part of his childhood as well. I'm sure I do want to touch. I know we've been talking a lot about Big Bird. I just want to touch very quickly on how he got the job for Oscar the Grouch. And so he was trying to come up with this idea for Oscar and, you know, Jim Henson, who gave him a chance, uh, and the reason he even knew Jim Henson, the reason he even got a chance in the business was because he was doing a puppet show. Like, he had had puppets and played with puppets and did puppet shows ever since he was, like, what, six? And his show, like, there was a bright light, and it totally screwed up, like, what he wanted to do because he had, like, a projected, a projector screen. And Henson was so impressed with how he handled, like, things going wrong that he was like, hey, you want to come work with Muppets? And he was like, like, doing what? He's like, I want you to be a Muppeteer. And he was like, oh, my God. So when he did the audition for Oscar, he was, like, trying to come up with, like, the perfect voice. Because at the time, Oscar was orange. Like, back when he first premiered in 1969, he was orange. He wasn't green and mossy. And he had, he did an interview saying that if he took a bath, he would still be orange, but he's just covered with moss now. Yes. So, on his way over, he took a taxi, and he's like, oh, how do I do this? How do I do this? And the guy was like, oh, here you are, Mac. And, like, he was like, oh, my God, like, that's the voice. Like, I have to do that voice. So, he went up. And he got into his trash can, you know, he's like, come on over, you know, and Henson went over and he's like, he gets into the trash can, he does the voice and Henson's like, yeah, you got it. <laughs> like, <laughs> perfect, you're done. Like, Which is crazy because five minutes before this audition, he had no freaking clue what he was going to do. He was still racking his brain. 
And then inspiration struck. And he was like, yep, that's it. I'm doing this. So Carol Spinney himself has not received a lot of accolades. However, Big Bird has. Well, Carol Spinney did get a Lifetime Emmy Award. Well, I mean, there's, there's that. But what I'm saying is Carol Spinney doesn't have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. But Big Bird does. Big Bird is actually one of two Muppets to have stars on the Walk of Fame. It's got to be Kermit. It is Kermit. So, But Big Bird got his first. Big Bird got Makes his sense. Muppet back in 1994. He got his Muppet? He got, I mean, he got his star. <laughs> um, the star got his Muppet back in 1994. And Kermit didn't get his star until 2002. So, which is insane, right? It's kind of crazy. Sometimes these Hollywood Walk of Fame star things, like I don't, I don't get it. It's like how, how did, how come this person didn't have a star before this time period? I don't know. Yeah, but but anyways, Donald Trump has one though. No, we're not talking about him. He's in the worst Muppet. Two, in two thousand. Big Bird was actually named a living legend by the United States Library of Congress. It makes sense. Like, so the character of Big Bird is a living legend. Like, how crazy and cool is that? It makes sense, though, because he's one of the most recognizable characters in all of anything. Like, if you were to ask somebody, like, you know, you know, if show someone, like, random person a picture, like, who is this? They'd be like, yeah, that's Mickey Mouse. Yeah, that's Big Bird. Like, you would know who that is, even if you never really watched Sesame Street, although I think you'd be hard-pressed to find pretty much anybody in this country or China because they ended up going back to China at one point. Uh, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who uh, is unfamiliar with Big Bird. And Sesame Street has become the first TV show to be a Kennedy Center honoree. Which so I believe awesome. that it's airing this Sunday, upcoming Sunday on CBS, the Kennedy Center Honors. But yeah, they are honoring Sesame Street. As it should, because Sesame Street has been uh, so instrumental in shaping the lives of so many kids. Like, you know, the one big thing, if I were to sum up Sesame Street in one word, what I learned from Sesame Street in one word, cooperation. Because it was a big word and they broke it down and they talked about what it meant. And it was funny. Like, this is stuff that I haven't seen in 35 years, but I still remember it as fresh. There was a... Go ahead. I was going to say, every time I count, when I go 1 through 12, I go... 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And then I'll be like, oh, and then 13, 14. And this is where, like, some of my my humor comes from. Like, there was a a little sketch where these two, two... Muppets are walking by, and they're they're friends that haven't seen each other in a while. Like, oh, hey, how you doing? Oh, how are you doing? Like, oh, why don't you come over here? Well, why don't you come over there? Like, well, I don't know. It's kind of far. Like, well, how far is it? So they walk over to to where they were going to meet in the first place and grab a measuring tape and walk back to where they were, and it's like 12 feet. And they're like, oh, 12 feet. Yeah, you're right. That's too far. And they walk back. And give he gives the guy the tape measure back. Like, oh, well, maybe next time if we're closer, we'll come back. And they walked away. There was another one where there's this artist, and he's talking to the, um, 
you know, that like an art reviewer, art, art critic or whatever. They're and obviously they're both Muppets. And the first, the artist has all these paintings and he's like, this one I call number one. And it's just like got a, uh, it's a canvas with one paint splotch on it. And he goes, this one, I call this one number two. And it has two paint splotches on it. And he repeats that for three and four. When they get to five, the art critic's like, oh, so what's this one? I suppose this one is number five. He goes, no, that one I call chicken soup. <laughs> and it's just like so <laughs> random. It's like, What? Yeah, though that was uh, one of my favorites. My mom did yell at me once for quoting Sesame Street when I was about six or seven, which is weird because that's generally not a show that you would get, you know, people would be upset with you quoting. But there were these uh, guys, they were camping, and I forget what their names are, but they everything they said was a rhyme, and they were like, Oh my, like they were camping and a bear showed up. Like, oh my, I declare it's a bear, you know. And one of the guys who was kind of mopey was just like, I think I'll retire before I expire. (laughs) And I said that, and my mom's like, that's not nice. You shouldn't be saying that. It's like, but it was on Sesame Street. I was like, the fuck, mom? She's like, I don't want you saying retire before you expire. I was like, fuck. Sesame Street has really kept up with the times, though, because of the Game of Thrones parody that they did a few... Game of Chairs. Oh, my God. With, with Grover. Grover. Grover Blue Joy. Oh. And, like, you know, they have Rob Stark and Kit Harrington, uh, Jon Snow, and... Ned Stark. Ned Stark and Cersei. Don't lose your head, Nettie baby. <laughs> oh, the, yeah. They were playing musical chairs <laughs> yes. to see who would get the Iron Throne. And, like, Joffrey lost. He's like, oh, Joffrey, looked like you choked. It's like, what? Don't lose your head, Nettie baby. And then, what's his name? Uh, Rob Zark's like, I can't do this. I'm late for a wedding. <laughs> you know, so, speaking of what we were talking about earlier, how it's the, the humor back then, when we were watching it as kids, was never aimed towards adults. This is clearly not aimed towards five- and six-year-olds. What? It's musical chairs. Right. But you and I understand the references they're making. Grover Blue Joy. But I do think that the biggest honor, and I believe Carol Spinney would would agree with me, the biggest honor that Big Bird had and Carol Spinney had was speaking and singing one of Kermit the Frog's iconic songs. At the funeral, the memorial service of Jim Henson. I want to. I want to preface this because we talked about this on the. Uh, I mean, they talked about this in the documentary, and you know, at this time, um, Carol Spinney's father was very ill. He was very old, and you know, they were kind of. You know, his wife was talking about how um, they were just sort of waiting for the phone call. And they get the phone call, and, you know, he answers the phone, and his wife, Deborah, um, she hears him say, oh, my God, he's dead, like, in a shocked and surprised voice. And it turns out they weren't calling about her father. They were calling about Jim Henson. And so when I was talking earlier about, you know, when they were talking about the death of Mr. Hooper and how they were pros, even though they, you know, like Bob especially, he had been tearing up, and he was, like, very upset uh, talking about Mr. Hooper and how, like, you know, 
when you love someone, they're never truly gone. And, and you know, that, that type of message that they were trying to portray. When Carol Spinney came out in full Big Bird regalia and sang It Isn't Easy Being Green without his voice crack, like you can hear the weight of the emotion on his voice. And like even us watching, even thinking about it now, like, and I'm going to play it at the end of this episode because you need to hear this. a little dusty in here. Uh, His voice doesn't waver. His voice doesn't. There's, you can tell that it's heavy. He doesn't miss a note. His voice doesn't crack. He stays in character the entire time. But he said that underneath that Big Bird costume, he he was just, he was crumbling. He just had tears. And I, I can't even imagine. The end of that song, like he finishes the song. And then Big Bird looks up to the sky and says, thank you, Kermit. Fuck. Like, just, ugh. And now you know that it's happening. I still want you to listen to this song. If any of this stuff has meant anything to you, if Big Bird as a character or Carol Spinney as a person, if any of this has meant anything to you, you love the Muppets growing up, whatever, listen to this song. And like that's what's going to play at the very end of the episode. That's what we're closing with this week. We want to know how that makes you feel. We want you to, we want you to, if you if you want to share your thoughts with us, because, you know, we're sharing our thoughts with you. I mean, that's what we do. But just if you can tell us how that listening to that made you feel, based on everything that we've we've talked about so far, about who Big Bird is, who Carol Spinney is, you know, in a, in a you know roundabout way because obviously we're not going to delve deeply into everything he's done with his life but if you know just let us know what you what you thought about that even if it's just a message like you know you know you're one of our friends on on facebook or twitter or what have you just shoot us a message and be like wow this is how i felt about this we'd appreciate it we won't necessarily read them on air unless you want us to but we're hoping that this you know kind of gives you a little bit of insight on you know like we talked about last week with Mr. Rogers, like you don't think about it for a while, but now we're at the we're at the point in our lives where, you know, we're starting to lose some of the 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 stuff that you know really formed and and you know helped us grow as child as children, and you know it's stuff that we haven't thought about in a very long time because it, you know it's oh this is kid stuff this is baby stuff I don't need to worry about this but. You know, just talking about it, you know, between you and I, Ashes, like we've, you know, we're uncovering all this, um, you know, forgotten joy. It's like an old friend that you have nothing but fond memories of. And yeah. you haven't spoken to that friend in a while because, you know, life gets in the way and things happen. And sometimes it's just sometimes it's just very difficult to keep touch. But when you think of that friend... All you do is smile. And that's what Big Bird is. Big Bird is is one of those friends who, you know, whenever whenever I think of Sesame Street and, you know, the Muppets and everything, I just, I just, nothing but fond memories. And right. All I, mean, I can do is smile. Even though that the reason that we're doing this episode is because of a, you know, the passing of somebody who brought so much joy to our life 
just reminiscing and thinking about all this stuff, like how many times have we laughed and, and had these huge smiles on our faces? And I'm hoping you, you folks at home are getting that from us because there's a lot of, like you said, great fond memories that we have, you know, from not just this character, but this show, like how we interacted with so many other characters and, you know, that's, that's what you look for in a, in a when you're creating a character. If you can create someone that's memorable, because you can design whatever you want, but it's the 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 person inside who kind of takes this character as a personal responsibility. You know, this isn't a one-off. This isn't you know like oh I'll do this for a single film or a season of a TV show and then I'm going to move on. This is someone who dedicated nearly half a century to portraying the same character in the same way, no matter what the toll it was taking on his body, he still, you know, continued to bring joy. And he said he never wanted to retire. He wanted to do it for 50 years and he just about did. And so this is our way of saying thank you to Carol Spinney. You know, thank you to Deborah Spinney. Thank you to Jim Henson. You know, everybody at, you know, the Children's Television Workshop who not only gave this show a chance, but all these actors, you know, everybody involved, you know, the the Muppet Wranglers, you know, Matt Vogel who, you know, picked up the mantle. Like, that's not something that's easy to do. When you're replacing a uh, an actor in a role for, you know, something that's decades old, you know, and it's funny, the the reason he got the role wasn't was just he was able to get into the spirit of Big Bird, but Carol Spinney even told him, hey, Vogel is German for bird, so it's like you were born for this. You know, so that kind of helped him. But I think uh, that's that's going to do it for our discussion about Carol Spinney and Big Bird. If you have any other thoughts, obviously, please share them with us. Uh, we'd love to hear uh, how much of an impact that these characters, you know, the Muppets in general, made on your life. So... We'll take a quick break, and uh, we'll try to liven it up a little bit with a nice song, and uh, we'll be right back. Holy sidetracking, guys! The train just came off the tracks! (laughs) Derailers! Be sure to follow The Derailers on Twitter, at The Derailers! And make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube, so you can catch the episode next week, folks. Same derailment time, same derailment channel. This is Emma. You're listening to Showdown Sunday. Whoa! Abkadefki, Jekyll, and not Christo Wixies. It's the most remarkable word I've ever seen. Abkadefki, Jekyll, and not Christo Wixies. I wish I knew exactly what I mean. It starts out like an A word, as anyone can see. But somewhere in the middle, it gets awfully queer to me. And we are back. I hope you enjoyed that song. That's a you know a little bit uplifting, you know, after the kind of somber way we ended the, or I should say I ended the, uh, the last segment. So that's one of my favorite. Sesame Street segments of all time. Obviously, uh, I think it's fairly popular amongst other people as well. Ashers, I know you like it. I do. So, um, 
we are we have a, a couple of things we need to talk about before we go. So what's one of the first things we need to talk about today, Ashes? Our feelings. Yes, you have to discuss your feelings, and it's okay to feel feelings. Um, but no, we have a battle. And if we have a battle, that means... We have the battle theme song. So this week, in anticipation of our next week's episode, Gizmo, we're throwing down the conundrum of the cute. Which creature is more adorable? Who do you want to snuggle? Either Gizmo, the cute and lovable little mogwai from the Gremlins movies. Or... The little green baby babushka, baby Yoda. I know he's not technically baby Yoda, but that's what we're calling him for right now because it's kind of like just a blanket statement. The child. Until we know exactly, you know, you could call him the child. You could call him the asset. You could call him the little green baby babushka like I do. You can call him Yiddle. He's 50 years old and his name is Mittens. (laughs) His name is not Mittens. You can call him Yiddle. Patrick has named him Yiddle. Um, He's a Yiddle baby. He's little and he's Yoda species. Just just as a blanket statement to get everyone on the same page, we're just going to call him Baby Yoda. Everybody knows exactly who you're talking about. He's got the cutest yeah, her cat used to be sleeping on the, the couch with her, like, you know, when we'd watch TV at night. And she has since moved from, like, the, the, the main couch part up into the back because Ashes can't stop talking about little baby Yoda guy. And I think the cat is jealous. She's very upset with you. She is not. She agrees. He's adorable. Zombie knows she'll always be my number one. Not the way you're talking. She gets it. But, she oh, my God, that little baby babushka. I just want to smush his little face so much. But anyways, that's our battle. The conundrum of the cute. Who is more adorable? Gizmo versus Baby Yoda. So let us know. Cuddly clusterfuck. (laughs) So let us know. Hit us up on the polls on Facebook or Twitter. And uh, let us know. Who would you want to snuggle? So... We also, because we have uh, a new battle, we have new science and new wine, and uh, I'm gonna I'll, I'll do science first because I'm I'm talking about it right now, so I might as well. And uh, this week I wanted to talk about because we're talking about Big Bird, I want to talk about Big Big birds. birds. You so, like Big Birds, and you cannot lie. Cannot lie. You other feathers try to deny. I don't know. It didn't work out that well. But, uh, yeah, as far as uh, the largest bird, uh, at the moment, uh, the largest bird is the, uh, the is a member of the Struthioniforms, S-T-R-U-T-H-I-O-N-I-F-O-R-M-E-S, Struthioniforms, um, is the ostrich, or Struthio camelus, allegedly. 
From the plains of Africa and Arabia, according to Wikipedia, a large male ostrich can weigh over 340 pounds and reach a height of a little over 9 feet. That is huge. Uh, They also lay the largest eggs as well. Uh, But it is not the largest bird ever. The largest bird ever, according to the fossil records, is the extinct elephant bird, or Apiornis, A-E-P-Y-O-R-N-I-S, of Madagascar, whose closest living relative is the kiwi, which is not a large bird. Uh, They were over uh, almost 10 feet tall. They say 3 meters or 9.8 feet. And about 1,100 pounds. Oh, my God. Is it Kevin? Uh, Bigger than Kevin. And actually, the last, according to this, the last of the elephant birds only became extinct about 300 years ago. Only. So that's, you know, still relatively new. I mean, that makes sense that they would be, you know, roughly. Obviously, these are flightless birds because they just, you know, they're too large. You know, most birds only weigh a few ounces. You know, when if you're a bird that's 1,100 pounds, you're not getting off the air without a without a jet pack like Boba Fett. So not with that attitude. Not with that evolutionary process. So yeah, that's uh, my my science fact for the week is about giant birds because we talked about giant birds. Uh, it does not say whether or not they reach a height of eight feet by six years old, but uh, or whether or not they can roller skate or ride a unicycle. But I'm guessing probably not. I think that's unique to our uh, yellow friend. On Sesame Street. So, Ashes, you have some wine you want to talk about? I always want to talk about wine. More so, I always want to drink wine. But today, we're going to talk about it. So, it's the holidays. And uh, the holidays are holly. And they're jolly. And a lot of drinking and partaking of alcoholic beverages tend to happen around the holidays. Especially at holiday parties. So, I have a great sangria recipe for you for you to bring to your next holiday party to make it both holly and jolly. It's my jolly holiday sangria. Now I'm going to give you the recipe, but I'm also going to post it on social medias and stuff as well so you can look it up. But here it is. So you will need one cup of cranberries, fresh cranberries, one large navel orange peeled and segmented, Two cups of cranberry juice, about a third of a cup of spiced rum. Uh, I'm a little generous with my rum porridge. So if you want it to be lightly spiced rum, you can definitely stick with the third of a cup. If you like it to be a lot of spiced rum, you know, you can use your judgment. Uh, You're going to need one and a half liter bottle of red Moscato. So that's like the, the, the big bottle of, of red Moscato, uh, or any sparkling red wine. I use Lambrusso in mine because it's not as sweet and adds a really nice flavor to it, but definitely go with a sparkling red because it just makes it taste better. And two cinnamon sticks. So what you're going to do is you're going to, in a large, vessel container for wine me <laughs> no I'm just kidding um in a bowl or a large container you're going to combine the one cup of cranberries the 
navel orange that has been peeled and segmented, the two cups of cranberry juice, and the spiced rum. You're going to stir it all together, kind of smoosh the orange pieces down a little bit, kind of break open the cranberries. It's just going to add a little bit of flavor to it, not too, too much. And then you're going to add the wine and the cinnamon sticks last. Stir it, put it in the refrigerator. I suggest chilling it overnight, but chilling it for at least a half hour is fine. Uh, you want to make sure that everything has a has a chance to. The, the, you want the flavors to just marry each other and meld together and and kind of you know open up a little bit more. Um, I think that it tastes better if you do it overnight. Make it the night before. Bring it you know the next day and it's perfectly fine but it's ready to serve right from there you know sometimes if you want to you can just pull the cinnamon sticks out so it doesn't get in anybody's glasses or you can even garnish if you're going to get a little fancy schmancy with your serving you can garnish it with a little bit of the cranberries a slice like a little uh, orange wheel um or uh orange peel Look, a wagon wheel <laughs> or an orange peel like a little swirl orange peel and a cinnamon stick so but anyways that's it and it tastes really freaking good so you have this like red wine cinnamon cranberry orange deliciousness just swirling around in your mouth it's delicious i love it and when you make it just right the fumes will get you buzzed Oh, that's not that one. Right, but still, if you make it right, the fumes well, say, will like, get you, if you it, Again, it all depends on how what much... What you do with your sangria. You're very heavy-handed. I love a heavy-handed sangria. Oh, it's sangria. What is it? Oh, basically, it's a varnish and red wine. It'll so, fuck you up. I prefer my sangria. So some people make it with like wine and juice and a little bit of like seltzer, soda water, lemon-lime soda, like Sprite or whatnot. Um, That's not sangria to me. Like sangria needs to be mostly alcohol. (laughs) Like sangria needs to be wine and a liqueur, like You need to be able to set your breath on fire. Or with like a little bit of juice, and that's it. That's why I typically use, um, if I want it to have like a, a bubbliness to it, I'll use a sparkling wine versus adding soda to it because I just, I, I like the, the flavor of a full-on alcoholic sangria versus the little bit of wine you get in some of the sangrias that you can get at like, you know, TGI Fridays or something. Yeah, yeah, that's that's about right. It's like, so, oh, it's 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 Kool-Aid. So I think with that being said, we'll get into what we're going to be doing coming up. Yep. So next week we are talking about everyone's favorite cute little cuddly mogwai, Gizmo from the Gremlins films. Uh, he's not my favorite cute little cuddly mogwai. I liked Stripe. He had way more personality as a mogwai. He, and he was also Donkey an Kong. asshole. And he played Donkey Kong, and he tied up the dog. Well, Gizmo was first, and yeah, <laughs> that's my argument. Yeah, yeah so right. there. Um, Gizmo is fun. Gizmo's a lot of fun. I just completely lost my train of thought. Yeah, oh, Gizmo. because it's the 35th anniversary of the film coming out. Yeah, we we just watched it the other day, so we we got our research in. So we 
We're good. We might have to watch the second one because he goes full on Rambo in that one. That's the Rambo one. Okay. Yes. I couldn't. Re- the, the first one's the car. The second's the Rambo. Okay. Yeah. I remember now. For some reason, I thought they were both in the first one, but it's been a long time since I've seen the second one. But it's Christmas, so we're just talking about some Christmas films. Yeah. If you want to talk about Christmas films, uh, we'll also be talking about Jaws, The Revenge, and Iron Man 3 because, you know, they take place at Christmas. I'm not. Okay. I'm not even going. And we will see you next Thursday. (laughs) So we'll be doing that. And the week after, we are going to be discussing what? Silent Night, Deadly Night. The first two. Maybe not all 25 of them, but at least the first two. um, Because we have some, some awesome music to play with that as well. If you're a big Ice Nine Kills fan, you know exactly what we're talking about. And um, I think with that, you know, we will. Oh, can I say it now? Yeah, we can say it now. Right? Okay. We, we'll say it on, on three. One, three. We will. Yeah, we will. <laughs> All right. We will see, see you, you next Thursday. Thursday. Somebody needs to learn how to count. Oh, uh, no. Ooh. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Oh, post credits. It's not that easy being green, having to spend the day the color of the leaves. When I think it could be nicer being red or yellow or gold or something much more colorful like that It's not easy being green It seems you blend in with so many other ordinary things And people tend to pass you over Cause you're not standing out like flashy sparkles on the water Or stars in the sky But green is the color of spring And green can be cool and friendly like And green can be big like a mountain Or tall as a tree Or big as a sea When green is all there is to be It could make you wonder why But why wonder, why wonder I am green and it'll do fine It's beautiful and I think it's what I want to be Thank you Kermit